Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome everybody, welcome. Uh, for tonight's episode, uh, we'll be talking about uh, technology in a lot of different realms, but uh, as many of you know, we have a vertical on our website, Technocracy. Technology is one of the fields of news that we like to try to cover. Uh, we have been taken over this show by political news, just like the whole world has been taken over by political news. So we haven't had a check-in yet. Uh, unfortunately, it's not really possible to have a conversation about technology right now without also basically having a political conversation. Um, when you consider the use of social media in organizing uh, the riot at the Capitol, uh, when you think about the president's uh, accounts being suspended from Twitter and other social media outlets. Uh, so we'll have a little conversation about that. I would like to focus more on the aspects of technology and free speech in those stories, right? It's like, how many times can we have a conversation about how like the president is terrible, right? <laughs> I, mean, I think we've covered that topic, but this is a different way to talk about it. And I am interested in the implications of a really high profile person, probably the most high profile person in the world being banned from social media and what that means for for those of us who are not the most high profile people in the world um, getting there though. Uh, so that'll be the basis of our conversation tonight. Uh, I'm always happy when we do a technology episode because it means we get to welcome our old friend Katiba. Katiba, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I learned tonight that your name means writer, mm -hmm. right? Wonderful. Yep. That was a good fact for me to learn. And now I'm passing it along to our, well, it's relevant. It's relevant. You're a writer. Yeah. Uh, well, a creative person in many realms, but you know, it starts with writing as I would say, cause I'm also a writer and I think we could get Eming to say that too. Um, so let's start the conversation with the most obvious thing that we can talk about. Right. Um, in the wake of the riot, uh, the Capitol building, the president's Twitter account was suspended. Many, many, many other uh, social media outlets followed, including I think I saw Pinterest. Is that true? <laughs> is he banned from Pinterest? <laughs> How is he supposed to like save stuff that he likes when he's shopping online? Anyway, I guess that's the least of our concerns. But yes, the president's uh, accounts have been suspended for uh, a lot of different reasons. I think many people have said, like, is this too late? Is this too little? Is this too little too late? And I think other people have raised concerns um regardless of their political affiliations about the power and control that social media outlets have right if you're not like a part of the twitter conversation can you be a part of the national conversation if you don't have access to social media um how do you have a voice right the way that coverage and um even you know kind of like political discourse has evolved. Like if you don't have access to social media, that seriously limits your ability to weigh in on a, on a political discourse. So it's a big question. Obviously we're not looking to you Katiba to solve it and explain everything right are. now, but I am. Well, okay. Yeah, sure. Fine. We're looking for you to solve it and <laughs> break it all down to us, explain all the intricacies. No, I'm just very interested to hear your thoughts as someone who does work in tech, who is in Silicon Valley, who is surrounded by people who are making these kinds of decisions and having these conversations like what are the conversations now in silicon valley in tech um as as a result of the president's uh, twitter account and other social media accounts being suspended yeah so a lot of folks that i know agree with me that you know it was too late like they really waited what god like 20 days before the honor inauguration day to do that um and he's been you know pulling all kinds of stunts for the last four years and everyone you know, and I, and I get it, you know, a lot of news, like really could write so many headlines and could keep the 24 hour, um, news cycle running over and over again, because he writes insane tweets, right? It's, it's good and bad press, but press nonetheless. So I can see that, but the issue is that, okay, you thought, you know, you need to have a tweet, like a Twitter account for the president and so on and so forth fine but it's also like the the little warning about um you know this fact is disputed there's an issue this is not real whatnot they, they finally added they only started adding that a few months ago and it's like if they had done that way way earlier in the game then it would have you know set like a precedent of like so, you know since day one we've been fact-checking him and the only places that were fact-checking him i think he was like New York Times or some um, outlet that was like keeping track of all his lies, but that's just one media outlet. Now, if we did that for all of them, then this whole idea of fake news 
you know, we could really distinguish between either. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's funny cause I've seen like certain people like imitate a Trump account and they put like this one emoji that says seven on it, but it looks, if you don't look at it closely, it looks like a verified check mark. Um, and the amount of times I've fallen for that is insane, but that's the thing. It's like Trump writes insane things. So I, like it's hard not, it's rare for me to do a double take on when he on what he tweets because he's always like just tweeting randomly right um so that's you know it makes me laugh when i remember all the insane things people write on his behalf um but you know like they waited until it was like after january 6 that to, to like suspend him. And I know it's like now Snapchat's doing it. We said Pinterest is doing it. I know they said Grinder won't let him have an account. Aw, well, okay. that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> <laughs> and all these other different platforms are finally putting a stop to it. But then someone on my Twitter feed like mentioned, they're like, you know, like y'all benefited so much from him having an account. And now now you're saying, oh, that's the right thing to do. But it's like, it's because you can't benefit from him anymore. You just can't. And, you know, he's attacked so many different people. He's had all types of like, you know, insensitive things to the people that he should re- be representing. And he's made us look really bad in front of the whole world. Like, just embarrassing, especially since his own team won't take away the phone from him. Um, and it seems like something that people can do. So... It is too late, is what I'm trying to say. It is too late. Everything they've done is way too late. And now it's like, I get it. I I understand why people are super upset because they're like, how could they do that? And it's like, well, they're private companies. You know, if you're going to, you know, post bullshit on my accounts, I'm going to block you too. It's a private company. But then people say, you know, well, Twitter's the only way we can see what he's thinking. It's like, well, no, he'll be on Fox News. He'll find a way to post. Like, don't worry about it. So it's too late. I'm very interested in this point you make about Twitter's reluctance, maybe to ban him from the platform because it generates so much interest in the platform. Right. I mean, it's just like the word Twitter was on the news a hundred times a day because every time the president tweeted, every time we heard something from the president, it was via Twitter. And in a lot of ways, I think there's similar criticism can be extended to, you know, 24 hour news networks. Right. Or even when Trump first announced his candidacy, when he was like a total fringe candidate, he got way more coverage than anybody else would just because like, this is good television. You know what I mean? Like people are glued to their television sets. It's not a moral decision about like, Oh, it's journalistically irresponsible to like promote someone who has such a nefarious agenda. Um, it's just about generating viewers, you know, which is kind of the nature of media. And it sounds like that's also extended to social media and Twitter, of course. I mean, I, Twitter's been around for a long time, I think, in terms of like when you think about um obviously social media apps, but it never reached this point where it felt like if you're not a part of that conversation, you're not a part of our national political conversation, I think mm-hmm. until his presidency. You know? Yeah. And I, yeah. And it's also like created this weird culture where I guess now people are starting to get really frustrated with their own representatives are supposed to represent us. And they like retweet or quote tweet um, Donald Trump or the president or for now. Um, And then they say, this is not okay. And it's like, can you just do something? Stop tweeting, like stop disagreeing with him. And like, you know, and like people started making fun of them. And, And now I think because he stayed on Twitter for so long, people don't really believe in their representatives as much because every, I I mean, I don't know of any that are not on Twitter, but almost every representative is on Twitter. Um, And it's like, then everyone's just on there for clout or to like, you know, reprimand him. But then when it comes time to vote for the real things, they don't. And so I think it's like, this like, it's kind of like poisonous, you know? you know, it, it tarnished our name and made, made us look like fools for how the president was tweeting. And then it affected how we view our own politicians, which wasn't that strong in the first place. But I think that just didn't help. And the younger generations like mine or even younger, like a lot more cynical. And they have every right to be. I mean, you see these representatives are saying, I don't know, they, they, they just say things like impeach, period. 
and then that's it and I'm like what the heck <laughs> that doesn't do anything and then when it's time for us to look at your voting record you don't vote for the things that we actually care about yeah. and we're in the middle of a pandemic and it yeah it's just embarrassing so yikes no I, I agree and I think that is part of the concern I'm I'm interested also in the aspect of, you know, when people talk about like the first amendment, you mentioned earlier, like, yeah, Twitter's a private company. They can ban whoever they want. Right. Um, but we are reaching a point where they have, you know, social media outlets have outsourced power in terms of framing the conversation. And if you don't have access to this conversation, you don't have access to our national conversation. That's a very different thing. You know, I think there, you know, the first amendment rights really only, pertain to the government, right? Like the government can't make any laws that are restricting people's freedom of speech. It doesn't extend uh, to private corporations, obviously. Um, but I think a lot of people, world, you know, even world leaders, you know, people in, in world leaders in Germany and France have been critical of this decision uh, to ban the president from Twitter, not because they love the president, but because they have concerns about people's access to speech. And if a company is as powerful as Twitter and can determine who has a political voice and who doesn't have a political voice like that, I think makes people a little bit nervous. And there was a little bit of that in here for me. I think my first response was like, yeah, finally, like, you know what I mean? About time he got bounced. Did it really take like people to die and like a horrible, violent incident in order for this mm -hmm. to happen? Um, but my second thought was like, all right, well, maybe this one makes sense, but uh, should any one corporation have enough power to basically like silence a person because that's what happened. That's what's happened. You know, even the president, the president of the United States has been silenced because a private company has decided that he can't be on their platform anymore. And I wonder sometimes like, you know, what are the future implications for that? Have you thought about that at all? Like that a social media outlet could have so much power that removing a user is like, they're basically erased, you know? Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's also like terms of conditions that you like agree to when you make an account. Right. And if I wanted to, I could write, you know, and spew some hateful stuff. And if you decided to report me and get like, you know, however big my reach is, get a lot of people to report me, then I do get blocked or banned or put on Twitter jail or something. And I mean, OK, yeah, he's the president, but like. I mean, he's been violating the terms and conditions in terms of hate speech and misspreading news and whatnot. Like we just gave him so many passes. Imagine if we like put him, I don't know if we put him in Twitter jail at all. I feel like I, I feel like he's Can never been. Can you explain been... Twitter jail, please? I'd like to hear more about Twitter jail. <laughs> it's, I, I've never been in Twitter jail, but I know it's like when you get suspended for some time. And I know that's because people on my TL are like, I'm back. I was put in Twitter jail for talking about this topic and they hate me on here. And usually it's either it's something like really divisive. And it's like, again, these are like either influencers on the platform. Who I know I've been on Twitter jail or people with like way smaller followings. And if Twitter has the capacity to like decide when we go to Twitter jail, why don't they do that? To just like show him from the very beginning, like think about before you write, like you are just as bound to the rules as everyone else. We're a private company. So I can see the concern because, you know, he's a he's a public figure, but I just feel like he would have thought twice about what he was writing if we had, you know, put him in Twitter jail a few times. <laughs> I like seeing like Eming for just so our listeners know, Eming has a very skeptical like head shake. Like, no, he would not have thought twice about what he did. Well, Twitter jail is like it's essentially like a timeout, right? You like put a kid in the corner and like think about what you did. And like this this is not a person who's known for thinking about what they did, reflecting on something they did and then changing their behavior. And when he got kicked off of Twitter, he went to use someone else's account and also got them banned from Twitter. Like he doesn't give a fuck. That's his mentality. Okay, but that's because he got away with it for four years. Like, that's yeah. why he's pulling that. Let, let's say, let's say we did that in the very beginning. We, you know, we try to try to nip it in the bud, as they say. Right. And then then he'll think twice because he doesn't want to miss out on like all these people that he's following. No, because I, you know I like to be optimistic. You know, let well, me live. Nice, all, nice. No, I like all that. I'm saying, <laughs> all I was gonna say was that you know, if if they did that earlier on, he would have he would have pushed pushed something through to you know, like how he tried to ban all those other crap that he was trying to ban. Like he still had a lot of power back then. Now he doesn't, which is why it's like it's easier. 
Yeah. I mean, I, there's, I, it, it's a little bit, I would imagine kind of like, you know, when you're like raising a child or like you have like a, a puppy or something, you know, if they exhibit behavior that's troubling, really? I'm comparing, I'm comparing the president to a baby or a puppy, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you want to make sure like right away, like a, a kid starts having a tantrum, you know, or like a like kid like hits another kid. You got to let them know right away. No, no, we don't hit. You know, you can't wait until they're eight years old and let them hit whoever they want. You know what I mean? It's it's going to be a lot harder. His biggest platform. Yeah, his, his, his parents never never s- said that to him at any point in his childhood. <laughs> Donald stopped hitting that child. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're going to use discipline, you have to be consistent with I'm discipline from the start. Yeah, you can't bluff. Right? You can't yeah. bluff. You can't just like say, "I'm we're really going to do something," and then not do anything until. I mean, did it's Twitter ever warn him? I just want to know. I have no they idea. Warn him, yeah, you know. I have no idea. Like, I don't think so. It was so funny because the memes that came out of this killed me. There was someone who like photoshopped Trump messaging him, and he goes, "Yo, is Twitter down for you?" <laughs> and then he's like, "What do I say?" I lost the creativity. But that's yes. just killed me. No. I remembered it. Yeah. Um, no memes are news. We 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 believe very strongly in the fact that memes are news here. I, I learn a lot about what's going on in the world from my memes. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of raises this other question about um, people migrating to other outlets, right? Like people using other platforms if they get banned or if it's a platform that feels like, you know, their political views are not supported or they're getting banned. Uh, obviously the most talked about one is parlor, right? I know that parlor was a social media account that a lot of people used who were connected with the riot. I know that there's, it's become kind of a haven or a home for, uh, the extreme, right. Uh, and there has been some, I'm hoping you can break this down a little bit, like the role of Amazon in restricting parlor and what that looks like and and how that works. Yeah. They, uh, parlor was using Amazon web service and they like pulled out because they were like, no, you, 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 the terms and conditions, here we go. The terms and conditions is that you cannot use this platform or at least our web services for a platform that incites hate and violence. And it clearly did that. And now parlors like, you know, social media is over. I don't think it'll ever exist. It's a little dramatic, you know, but it's yeah. like, and it's like, again, if, I mean, if, if you're a platform that like, you know, doesn't consider what you're doing as promoting hate or violence then i don't know go create one you know like just stop going to these companies and i get it it's like bigger blah 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 and it's just like sorry that's just how it works i mean you follow the rules or you don't and and then they try to sue amazon amazon is like this is this is not going to go anywhere. Parler tried to sue Amazon. Mm-hmm. Right, they were like, oh, you know, you're just trying to boost our competitor, Twitter. And Amazon's like, we don't even support. We, we don't we don't even have like Amazon Web Services for Twitter. We don't host them, you know? Yeah. Well, I wonder what that means. Like, are people just going to keep migrating? Are there other services? To what extent is like... Amazon web services or other web services so pervasive that it, they can just block everybody. Do you know what I mean? Is there a way to construct a social media network that is not controlled by a company that can, you know, restrict that speech? Do you know what I mean? Like to what extent do you need web services from someone who has a terms and conditions? Like what are the loopholes? Do you know what I mean? I, if there I, are know, any. I know there's a few web services. I guess it probably has to do with like the quality. Cause I know there's, Google Cloud service, some something like that. Um, I, the thing is, I honestly only know of the two, Amazon and Google. So yeah. maybe maybe it is that they're the dominating spaces. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, if if you're someone who's very, you know, right wing, um, sometimes you just have to see what's out there and what the I guess playing field's like. And if Twitter's more on the liberal side and won't allow you to post such things and you need to recognize that. I mean, but is it the case that Twitter is on the liberal side or is Twitter just trying to abide by its own guidelines? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you could be an extreme liberal. left person who's like advocating violence or something and you would still probably be restricted. Right. Like, is that mm-hmm. is it fair to say that Twitter is like a left company or are they just trying to restrict people, users who are inciting violence and like hateful speech and stuff like that? Well, OK, it's not like, yeah, super. Liberal, but I think it's just like where it's headquartered and where it's from and you know jack is also pretty pretty liberal in some ways i don't know him personally not yet at least um and you know he's just 
like like that that's just how like folks on the more conservative side view all these companies and that's why they say things like we're getting shadow banned we're getting silenced blah 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 and it's like i mean maybe that's true but i you're also violating terms of conditions i mean sure we don't read all of them when we sign up but like i mean even even if i post anything that has maybe like specific words sometimes i get flagged and you know it's it's a matter of like recognizing that and just like you're on a specific platform like i don't know follow the rules can't you do that does it feel arbitrary to you though or like are they consistent with their terms and conditions i guess we'll talk specifically about twitter it's like they do seem kind of arbitrary it's kind of like the police right like like if you're a police officer you got a lot of things at your disposal like if you want to pull somebody over you can like kind of find something to pull somebody over but that doesn't mm-hmm. prevent you from being biased that doesn't prevent you from being racist or you know making your own assumptions it sounds like twitter kind of has like a loose enough definition of what you know inappropriate behavior is that they can if they identify someone that they want to suspend they can kind of use that right yeah yeah because it's, it's because not, he's yeah. the president you know yeah. like i understand why they didn't do it because it's like well where where else would we hear about the president's ideas and thoughts? I mean, well, because a press conference, you know what I mean? Like, I think there was a time eight minutes. Yeah, that's a little insane. We also don't need to hear from the president or any president every eight minutes. You know what I mean? That's kind of part of the problem. Even if it was like the perfect president that everybody loved, like I don't need a tweet every eight minutes from the president. You know what I mean? Like that's just not good for people's attention span. You know, it's also just like a way of hijacking the news cycle. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because everybody has to chase what, you know, a powerful person's update is. You know, I'm, I'm very interested. You mentioned earlier about people being disappointed in their representatives and their use of Twitter and just like in the role that Twitter has in government, irrespective, like outside of this president. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, what yeah. other, you know, and, you know, most of what I hear about AOC, for instance, is like, oh, what has she done on social? You know, it's like people are like retweeting her clapbacks or whatever. And like, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's entertaining. But I'm also wondering, like, man, that's a lot of time to spend on Twitter. Like, isn't there some policy work to be, <laughs> to be done? Do you know what I mean, like, sounds like there's a lot going on in Washington right now that like maybe, you know, you don't need to think about like followers and all of that, you know, like people you used to issue, you, you would issue like a, a, a press statement, you know, and then you would like mm-hmm. do an interview with a journalist or you would have a press conference. There was a way to like message to the people and it would be filtered through media outlets or whatever, but it just seemed like a lot less chaotic. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's not like I trust traditional news outlets, you know, and I'm, I'm not like, oh yeah, we should just hand it back over. Uh, it's just a very chaotic way of getting information. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I and this like, like streamlines it. AOC yeah. can just tweet and we can just like eat it up and retweet and everything. I think they just, uh, maybe I'm just cynical now, but it's just annoying at this point. Because it's like they'll they'll try to stay trendy and, you know, like it's like, are we here for likes or are you going to tell me something important? Well, I mean, politicians, even before the age of social media, have always been in it for the likes. Do you know what I mean? Because a like is a vote. You know what I mean? Like It's always been a popularity contest. Twitter is just like a new place to do that. Right. To like garner your support. Um, So in some ways, it's like a natural fit, like politics and Twitter, because you can just reach your constituents all the time. Like if you want to get people fired up about something, you can jump in. If you want to like tilt your poll numbers, you know, you don't have to, again, follow those traditional methods and yeah i mean i'm definitely not saying like oh the solution is like social media has destroyed our society we have to get rid of it because the (laughs) way things used to be is so great it's just such a different way of receiving and processing information and we're all so completely dependent on it now journalists are dependent on it Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like they're not like what journalists are reporting on is like what people have said on social media they're not like calling people for a statement which is pretty wild yeah you know Yeah, it changes yeah. what journalistic skills are. Like if you're like very savvy with social media, you like you can be a better journalist now than like if you were really good at tracking people down and asking questions. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. that's it's uh, I don't know. And it's also, again, like who you're following and 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 who you've made part of your timeline. So obviously I am friends and I follow people who like actually post about like real world things. It's just that it just gets annoying because 
it's like, oh, you know, this representative said impeach or someone says like, lock him up at, you know, and like, it's like jokes and it's banter. And it's like, really in the middle of a pandemic, really yeah. we're, we're taking time to tweet this, but um, y'all had the vote yesterday and then y'all said 600 was enough. Like, remember that? Like, that's, that's crazy. Like that's, it, it just, now it seems like the worst time to behave like this. And yeah. again, the, the pandemic you know, bad timing, if you will. Um, but like that and the elections and it just, everyone was spending way too much time on this. And it was, just, it's just annoying at this point. Like I, I don't care for, and I think personally it's made me like lose interest in a lot of the representatives because I'm like, come on, like let's, let's actually do. It something. feels more like you're saying, like it feels more like they're just like all talk. They're not actually being yeah. proactive. Yeah. And and it's like, it's like, they're also running for the headlines. You're right. Like yeah. we know that there's like articles being written up by like AOC's newest clapback and, and this Twitter screenshot and that Twitter screenshot and all their drama. And I'm like, I, I you know, I watch YouTube drama for fun. I don't need to see it. My politics <laughs> drama. Like That's something I want to watch. I want to know what YouTubers are fighting who that's, that's for fun. Don't don't bring it to my political timeline. What is this? It's like embarrassing, you know? Yeah. So well, we had a conversation on the show not too long ago about um AOC going on Twitch and playing uh God, what was the game memeing? Now I can't remember that the game uh, they were playing. Among, Among Us, yeah, us. and playing yeah. Among Us. I think I, you know, when we had that conversation, I was a little torn because at first I thought, like, oh, this is great, because this is like a young politician who is like finding a new way to you know, engage with constituents. And, uh, and I thought about it. I was like, kind of like what you're saying. I'm like, you know, it's all cool to play video games. <laughs> it's all cool to like be on Twitch or whatever. But I also just wondered how much of it is image crafting and like having this appearance of being like young and cool. And, that, you know, does that take the pressure off of you for actually being proactive? Not AOC personally. It was just like a very high profile example of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it also might just be like, kind of like the more things change, the more they stay the same like politicians are much more actively trying to get raise money and get reelected than they are to like do work to improve our circumstances you know no matter whether social media is involved or not yeah i you know it always seems like there's an election around the corner because they spend most of the time asking folks to pitch in and i'm like didn't we just elect you like three days ago what are you talking about the next term and that's why okay i'm gonna be honest i have no idea how long everyone's terms are because i don't care but i if you asked me how long every term is i'd say i'd tell you like six months to a year because it feels like like it yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's it's always like oh we think about how long campaign season is you know the campaign season now lasts like two years right so if you're just looking at like a presidential term limit which is four years you know basically like halfway into your term you have to start campaigning and raising money for your re-election which is why every time people say like oh you know like we need shorter term limits so there's more accountability for our elected officials i'm like that's kind of true but then wouldn't they just always be campaigning and always (laughs) fundraising Yeah. And we would just never have a reprieve from it. You know, yes. Whack. I, I'm like so annoyed. I, I always scroll past it. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. But here's a good thing about social media. Right. So with the global pandemic, it's also showing, it's also showing like, who's like actually serious about helping the people. And one thing that I've seen being like retweeted over and over again, it's like, yo, when they ask for donations, for their, um, you know, campaigns, think twice because they also, they might've voted no to not give you money during a pandemic, to not give you that support, to cut out certain things from the like COVID relief um, and, and so on and so forth. Like think about that next time they ask you for the average $17 and we're local and grassroots. I was going to say grass fed, but I was like, that's not <laughs> <right>. <laughs> sure. Maybe also grass fed. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but it's like, it's like, okay, well now we've seen how they acted. Like they really showed themselves how they acted during a global pandemic. Like think twice about who you support and you know, who is simply all talk and who does care about image crafting. So I think, you know, there is a benefit of that as much as as much as I'm annoyed by it, because like one thing that I like about like following like local government on Twitter 
is that they'll post about resources that folks can use. And the amount of times I found out about resources is because um, the city of Oakland is tweeting about something and the city of Berkeley is tweeting about something. And, you know, it's not about image crafting because it's like the city of Berkeley, the city of Oakland. There's, it's not about one person or like not necessarily like one party per se. Um, and it's more about like, here are the resources that y'all can benefit from. And I appreciate those. And I wish if more, you know, representatives did that, I mean, there's tons of resources that a lot of folks don't know about and they can really speak to their constituents instead of just being like, yes, impeach, period, with the team yeah. and all the other <laughs> stuff, you know? And it's like, like tell people about like where to get help, like break it down for people, like what certain bills mean. Like there's tons of community support and um, a lot of initiatives. You can highlight different organizations and so on and so forth, but it's, they're so caught up in like, what's the trending topic and like, what's the verbiage that the young people use. And it's like, I'm begging you, please just do something like just do anything, anything to help. Um, and that's why I think Twitter also like, you know, it has a way of like also setting the record state because when a representative says one thing, then people pull up like, but you said this and yet you voted no. And yet when we asked for this, you said this and here's the tweets and here's the screenshot. So it does keep them accountable. But now I'm just like in the middle of a global pandemic. Like, do you really need to like get at, you know, Donald Trump and be like, boo hoo, like we got you locked up in terms of Twitter jail. And it's like, I'm so sorry. What did, what did you say about 600 to 1200? Like, what was that again? Yeah. And, you know? Well, it's also a distraction. I think that was true in the presidential election. Um, although I think it was smart for candidates to say like, Hey, the most important thing is that we just like get rid of Trump. Right. Like that's my priority. I think that that was Biden's thing from the start. And I think that might be a big part of the reason why you got the candidacy, but it let a lot of people off the hook, uh, because they didn't really have to have a lot of ideas. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They were, they did, it wasn't like, Oh, here's my economic plan you know like here's what i'm going to do about the pandemic like here's how we're going to help people who are struggling you know it's just like oh we just got to get rid of this guy because this guy's the worst you know mm-hmm. um and i think that's true for a lot of elected officials now too right like they're off the hook for having to come up with solutions because all they have to do is tell people that they hate the president they're like oh cool like me too you know what i mean but it's like that's old news you know like we really got to pivot <laughs> so one, one way or another like he's out of there in a matter of days and then yeah. we have like a whole mess of things that we need to address you're not going to have that person to really beat up on anymore do you know what i mean it's like a very yeah. kind of a divide and conquer like common enemy kind of a thing and both sides uses it and i think it's true for democratic elected officials where they can just be like hey well at least i don't like donald trump you know what I mean? Like at least yeah, I'm, I'm, trying to I'm like, I'm like, yeah, sure, dude. Like that's very easy. It's a very low bar. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> we didn't think you liked him anyway. Yeah. 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 Same, um, same. I think I've been disheartened by that too. I am curious before I move to our next topic of conversation, I always like to hear your breakdown of the way in which the social media world and memes have respond to news. So you've mentioned a couple like high profile memes already. I saw one about the president getting bounced, which was very straightforward, but it was pretty funny. It like listed all the platforms that he was kicked off of. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook, you know, no Pinterest, no grinder. <laughs> And then somebody said like, damn, like he doesn't even have a phone anymore. He just has a brick, you know, (laughs) like there's not, if if you don't have those platforms, what do you have? Uh, So I'm wondering like, have you seen other, oh yeah, that's right. He could go back to MySpace or Friendster, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. He would go to MySpace, (laughs) by the way. Didn't, I think Fox actually owned MySpace for a while and Rupert Murdoch owned, yeah, Rupert Murdoch Mm. bought MySpace. That was a big part of the reason they went down. So there could be a good fit there. But I'm curious to hear uh, from you, Katsiba, like what other like responses have you seen from social media users, political or not, just about like what it means to be a person who's like banned from Twitter indefinitely. Oh, um, yeah. Everyone's making a bunch of memes. Um, but I think that the funniest ones are those like inbox conversations because it's so like insane to think that, um, you know, the president like you know randomly messaging someone yeah that. and then also i remember when when people started pointing out oh he's also trying to use this other person's account and you said he got him banned and so on <laughs> every tweet after that was someone like tagging someone famous and be like he's also using this person's account and it'd be like selena gomez or something <laughs> you gotta stop them and i i lost it because like for a second for a sec like could be 
couldn't, you know. I, Crazier things have happened. You know, he was hanging out with Kim Kardashian in the Oval Office. You know what I yep. mean? And like, <laughs> he's yep. got a lot of friends. <laughs> and then everyone started like kind of piling on. And this sounds mean, but it's, you know, like, it's just funny. Um, you can't take everything too seriously on Twitter. So then they started tagging like the influencers they didn't like. Some people started tagging their friends and I lost it. I thought that was the funniest thing. Um, but yeah, it's just like, like everyone is, you know, shocked and everyone has their hot takes, but everyone's also, I think, yeah, relieved. They're just like, okay, word. All right. For sure. Like we're, we're happy, but everyone's also like be on the lookout for him tweeting again. And I think the other funniest thing is like, Oh, I think when people tweet, like, you know, he, he wants to borrow my Twitter account soon as well. Like I'm just going to let him borrow it for a few days. Like if y'all see anything crazy and then people will tweet crazy things like, sorry, that was, that was old Don. Don, <laughs> Don, <laughs> Don acting up again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, um, the amount of, the amount of different ways you can spin it and like kind of use it for your own clout, which is like, think about that. Like now people are like, sometimes like when they quote tweet or they make those memes is to try to get more likes than the president himself. And I see politicians doing that and that's called ratioing when you, when you get ratioed. So if like Donald Trump tweets something and it gets, you know, 250,000 retweets or likes or whatever it may be. And then someone else comments and it's like putting him down or making fun of something that he's done or whatever. And then, you know, that person gets like 500,000 likes or a million, whatever it may be. And it's like, you got ratioed, like I brought you down. And it's, <laughs> it's like our, the only way for us to like, for, for a moment, be like, yeah. It's a flex. We it's a nice you. flex. You got ratioed. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, so. you know, being owned, basically pwned. Yeah. I yeah. Think. yeah. You didn't like that email? You don't like my use of the word pwned? It just feels like a really old term <laughs> now. Oh. It does. Sorry. I still it use it a lot in my personal life. Well. So noted. All right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Eman, for pointing that out. I rely on you. Um, I, but the last thing I wanted to talk about is a shift kind of thankfully away from a conversation about the president and Twitter, but it is still a political conversation. It's still a tech conversation. Uh, and that is, uh, that Andrew Yang, I'm sure most, many people have seen this, who was a, uh, candidate for president and actually got a lot of interest and a lot of like passionate followers. His was the math movement, make America think harder. Uh, and he talked a lot about issues that are raised by the tech industry where, you know, labor is being displaced or traditional concepts of labor being displaced. And he had like a lot of very radical ideas that I think people were receptive to and open to because he was a forward thinker. He wasn't just a guy who was like, oh, I don't like Donald Trump. He was a guy who was like, we need to restructure society. So that was Andrew Yang. Haven't heard from him in a while, Um, but he is now running for mayor of New York City, which I live in New York. So it's a big story here, but I know that it's being covered other places. There's a lot to say about his candidacy as it relates to New York City and whether it makes sense or whatever. Um, But I wanted to ask you about something that he proposed uh, because it relates to TikTok. And the last time you were on the show, we were talking about TikTok the whole time. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we know that you love TikTok and you learn a lot. (laughs) Um, So what he was proposing, you know, a lot of people are talking about, uh, and this is always a question in New York City because it's like a, a cultural uh, hotbed, right? I mean, this is a big part of our identity is theater and music and uh, film and art. Uh, so one of his ideas to stimulate, uh, for the city to stimulate the arts community was to, uh, subsidize TikTok hype houses, right? Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners know what a TikTok hype house is. For those who but, don't like me, what are they? Eamon, great. I, I still say pwned, but I get to be the person who tells you what a TikTok hype house is. Um, but I mean, I think hype house is just a term that applies to a lot of what these different kind of places are, but they'll get a group of influencers, like a bunch of people who are already like have a lot of followers and are really high profile on social media. And they put them in a house together for them to like interact and make content and uh, as a way for to generate even more interest. And there are a lot of different people who have sponsored it. It's usually like corporations or like another private interest, but it's a way of just like kind of like a social media think tank in some ways, but like getting people together to just like continue to generate and because they already have followers, you know, uh, and there are a lot of them and a lot of different content has come out of it. And it's a big thing in Hollywood. It's a big like West Coast thing. 
thing now. Um, but Andrew Yang thinks that will help to stimulate the arts in New York City if the city helps to subsidize this. You know, I, I'm not I, I don't have strong feelings about the idea. I just loved it conceptually. I don't know much more about what that would look like. Um, but it did make me rethink the idea of like what the arts are. Right. Like is Andrew Yang being this like incredibly progressive thinker where he was like, yo, what's happening on TikTok is like a part of our cultural experience. And this is a part of the arts and the city should be involved in this um, by sponsoring Hype Houses. I just like this is part of the reason I've always liked Andrew Yang. It's not like all of his ideas. I think like that's a great idea. It's just every idea he has. I'm like, man, that is wild. You are progress. You are thinking on a different level, whether or not I think this is a great idea or not. So I wanted to ask you what you thought about like potential government involvement or at least Andrew Yang's idea to like help subsidize the arts, which happens a lot anyway. That's why we have NPR. That's why we have P- PBS, their National Endowment for the Arts. There's you know, a lot of subsidized art, but we just don't think about social media. We don't think about TikTok or hype houses uh, as art. So uh, I just wanted to ask you as a lover of TikTok, what your thoughts were about like Andrew Yang's idea for uh, New York City to help subsidize some TikTok high passes. I'm I'm trying to wrap my my head around the math of it because if so we were talking about this earlier I assumed it would be small apartments because that's the real New York scene and if we're going to subsidize housing for for a hype house it has to be like small apartments because that's the New York feel and it has to be it should be over like a pizza place and it should be kind of grimy, but not too grimy. <laughs> then they can like do house tours, but it should be like short for the TikTok. Like it shouldn't be like really long. So that should help with filming. But also when you say arts and then you bring up NPR and all this like smart and beautiful <laughs> art, I don't know where TikToks. Where the, okay. The, the influencers you're talking about are the ones that do the dances and, um, show off all the luxuries they have so so you know not 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 so much them i thought of but there are some amazing tiktok people who talk about a variety of subjects and talk about the arts and education and literature and and teach you everything it is literally a classroom there and you can decide how specialized you want it to be based on your algorithm and of course like who you're friends with um and they can send you good stuff as well so i wasn't thinking so much of tiktok influencers because i i I promise you you're just gonna get the same you're gonna get the same videos and that's not what art is right it's not you can't keep putting skinny people dancing to (laughs) famous songs over and over again because dances don't change and it's the same skinny usually white kids who are very young. Um, and I don't know if they actually eat that much. So I don't know how they would help the city. <laughs> right. But if you put like some, like people who love to eat, mm, they can like yeah. showcase all the restaurants. So That's if true. Andrew Yang's listening to this, he should have me plan this because clearly he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, no offense. <laughs> but well, it should- could be. I mean, in his defense, right? Like my understanding of what a hype house is, that's the way that it's been reported, right? And I don't know that much about his plan. It could very well be what you're saying, where you gather like the artists and intellectuals of TikTok because they're out there and make like a very New York City refined version of what a hype house would look like, where you just have like a bunch of smart people in the same place, like interacting and making content. That would be great. Or, hear me out, they could rent out a whole apartment building and every intellectual of TikTok gets their own apartment because it's already the size of a closet. And (laughs) because of the pandemic, they shouldn't be living with each other anyway. That's true. And then everyone gets free housing. And these people are very smart and they're usually underpaid. And they're usually like good people. Um, And then you know they're going to do their groceries around the block and support the bodegas and everything else. So... So if we just remove like the influencers and we can like TikTok users, perfect. <laughs> he might not be going after influencers. I mentioned influencers because I was well, hype house the, usually is for influencers. Yeah. But it I think like hype house, I think house situation. Yep. It does sound very real worldy, but I think hype house is like a phrase that media outlets in New York City and around the country are using to describe it. Do you know what I mean? Like his actual plan might be much more elevated, but they're reducing it to. That's not going to help. That's true. Hype house. It's it's not going to give people a lot of faith in the plan. 
Yeah. Um, but you have been following this story, Emin, because you mentioned a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you mentioned the his video, which one I one I need to ask you for some clarification because I heard that he had Darren Aronofsky, who we all know is the director of um, uh, Requiem for a Dream and a bunch of other like creepy movies. Black Swan. I think he made Black Swan. I like his movies. I, I say creepy in a nice way. Um, I heard that he directed his campaign video. But I don't know if that's the same one that you no, saw. No, not, not the same one. This was, he was in a bodega. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me, let me back this up. He thought he was in a bodega. And he spends like, mm, let's say two minutes talking about how great these places are and how important they are for New York. And when I saw it, I was like, wait. And the people who were sharing it were, were, were people we know who have lived in New York. So I was like, I was confused why they were sharing it. And then I watched it. I was like, oh. So it was a very bougie store. It's a very, very big story. And he's going on like, oh, how great bodegas are and how they're born for the community in New York. And, da, 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 da. and the comments were just like, this is not a bodega. <laughs> this is not even near a bodega. Like, I don't know where the hell you went. Not, That's true. not like like he's buying uh, fruit and he's like, oh, sir, like, like, like I imagine he used like a 50 50- and then let them keep the change. That's what I think happened. But it was just, it was just. So he's getting dragged basically. I've seen some of this campaign. Really? I think, you know, New Yorkers are very, very protective of the culture. I know. That's why I was like, Ooh, this, this is very wary of outsiders. I remember when, um, you know, Hillary Clinton came to New York as a presidential candidate and she was like all excited about like, Oh, I'm going to ride the subway. I'm a New Yorker. And then like, she couldn't get her like Metro card to swipe like she would like swipe it and it didn't work and then she like kept swiping it and people were like yo she's not a new york she's talking about she's a new york she couldn't even get her metro card to work son you know like and i was like well sometimes it just doesn't work but it's the same kind of thing it's just like they're very guarded very on the lookout for an outsider who doesn't get the culture and it's also like bodega you know what is the true definition of a bodega does there have to be like a bunch of dusty old cans of beans on the rack do you know what i mean like do you you know if it looked very is, new it when does a bodega new. become a deli do you know what i mean are we using the term bodega now just to mean like you know in san francisco when i grew up they were called liquor stores it's like it wasn't primarily a liquor store you get a sandwich there you get a newspaper yeah. there you get some groceries it was the same thing as a bodega we just called it a liquor store because they also sold liquor but yeah. you know new yorkers are always on the lookout for somebody for not but you could have done better research That's yeah true. I mean, this guy like, is a man of the internet and tech yeah that's embarrassing. And you're telling me to a hype house? I believe yeah. that he's actually thinking about influencers when yeah. you say that. I'm clearly not over that. Now but, I feel you know? bad. Now it's like, <laughs> even, it, I'm not saying like, oh, I think Andrew Yang should be the mayor or even that he, you know, would have been a good president or something. I'm just kind of a cool guy. Now I feel like I'm the guy who's like, yo, Andrew Yang's an idiot. He wants to have hype houses. He doesn't know what a bodega is. Yeah. No. yeah. In a bad place right now. He's not going to win. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe he's getting all this stuff out of the way at the beginning, right? This is like hazing. New York City needs to haze you. You know what I mean? They got to punk you, make sure you know your place. And then they'll be like, oh, all right. Okay. Now you're cool. You know what I mean? I don't see anybody else making any noise running for mayor right now. Everybody's very disappointed in our current mayor. When's the next election for New York? It's coming up, man. I mean, that's the, the reason oh. he announced. I wish I could tell you when I think, I mean, people are starting to raise money and announce their candidacies now. Ooh. I think that it's November, 2021 is the New York City oh, mayoral election. Why does that feel? Super soon. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why does that feel like next month? The way this... It yeah. does. It will be. Because <laughs> time yeah. looks like this now. There's a, Yeah, they're going to have a primary in the... Well, I mean, there's going to be a primary in the summer, in June. Well, that's uh, so, even sooner. <laughs> and that'll, so that'll narrow it down to like, you know, those are the Democratic and Republican primaries are in mm. June. And then a general election is in I November. It's his own Hunger Games in New York. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we're just looking for some good leadership. People were very excited about, you know, Bill de Blasio when he first came in. And um, not so much now. I don't know, dude. I, it's like I'm, I'm not even I'm not like a Bill de Blasio fan or anything. I don't hate Bill de Blasio. It's just like, can you imagine trying to be a mayor of New York City during a pandemic? Like every the wheels are falling off. Do you know what I mean? And like whatever plan he proposes, the governor shuts him down. He has this like horrible rivalry with the governor and the governor's like, you know, Governor Cuomo is like this intense alpha dog who's just like, yo, this is my state. You can't do anything yeah. without my permission. And yeah. de Blasio is like kind of a nice guy slash beta who's like a little upset that he's getting punked, but just like accepts the pack 
fact that he gets punked all the time. Mm-hmm. So people, you know, I think people in New York City are like, we need an alpha dog mayor, you know, but it's like, be careful what you ask for, basically. <laughs> so I don't think Andrew yeah. Yang is an alpha anything. Yeah, I don't. He's not. I, I don't think. Well, that's probably part of the reason he's not getting a lot of early support. But, yeah. you know, uh, eligible candidates Ricky. are whittling. Do you yeah. want to be the mayor of New York while a pandemic is still going on? Like, I yeah, wouldn't dude. touch that with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. I think you should wait it out because, like, nothing that he does – well, I don't know. Things could get better, but I was talking to a coworker of mine. And I was like, how is it in New York? And they're like, probably going to see a spike soon. Like, people are just getting so fed up. Mm-hmm. They're just, like, tired of being, in, you know, in Zoom university and Zoom schools and everything. And yeah. I'm like – yeah. And, you know, like to some degree, I'm like, oh, OK, we, you know, we have it pretty bad in the Bay Area. But then you hear about SoCal and you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, no. it's really bad right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it gives me a little bit of perspective on like people who are running for office right now, because here we are complaining about like, ah, this this represent. It's like anybody who wants this job right now. Do you know what I mean? To be in a leadership position while the world is falling apart. I kind of feel like, hey, man, you know, like I wouldn't want to be in that position. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I have to just support somebody's like will to take that on. I thought that when um, when Biden gave his acceptance speech, you know, I was like, uh, I was like, dude, you're, this is, this is gonna be terrible. Like no matter what, do you know what I mean? Like, even if you came in and had all these great, ideas, this is good. This is an awful, awful time to take this job on, dude. Like, I hope you're ready for this. Um, so I kind of feel the same way about Andrew Yang again. Like I have a lot of time to decide before June who I might want to be mayor of New York city, but it is interesting that it's attracting people like Andrew Yang. Cause he's an ideas guy. I like, you know, that's kind of during the primaries. I really liked Elizabeth Warren because I just felt like she's an ideas person. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't, wasting all our time talking about Trump. She's like, hey, I got a plan for this. I got a plan for that. And it's even if I didn't like all the plans, it's like, I like idea people who just yeah. like aren't aren't getting people filed, fired up on rhetoric. And I kind of felt like Andrew Yang was the same kind of person. Surprised that she hasn't like nothing happened with her. I thought she was going to get a position in the cabinet. Oh, like a cabinet position. I really did. Yeah. But the, well, she wanted something that they weren't going to give her. But I figured they would give her something else. But yeah, didn't I mean, she would have been great. I mean, I think she would have been a good secretary of state. She could have done a lot of cool things. But we could have a whole other podcast talking about how disappointing all of Joe Biden's cabinet picks have been so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, we won't. Um, I, I want to thank you, Katiba, for being here. If you do want to come back and have a conversation about how disappointing all of Joe Biden's cabinet picks have been, you're more than welcome to join us for that conversation. It is always illuminating uh, to have you here. We learn so much. We always have so much fun. So thank you for being here, Katiba. Thank you for Hopefully having me. we'll have you back soon. Uh, thanks as always. Part two with Katiba. <laughs> yes. We're yes. going to finance your hype house and we're going to make great <laughs> content for us. I would love to see it could be a hype house. Maybe I'll write a, I'll, I'll, I'll send an email to. How about that? A hype house. <laughs> There we go. High it's got to be above a pizza place. I want yeah. the true New York experience. With, well, then you're going to have to have roaches. I'm sorry. You're going to have to have cockroaches. That's part of the new true New York experience. Uh, <laughs> sure, you could deal we'll with it. Figure it's out a, a way. Yeah, I've, I've been through it. You know, I'm, you survive. I can, I can learn from yeah. TikTok how to handle them. It'll be fine. Yeah, sure. Just go on TikTok. Oh, like, what do I do with TikTok. roaches? Yeah. <laughs> Guide us in yeah. our way. Um, uh, yes. And as always, of course, thank you to our fearless leader. Eming Piansai, our producer, who keeps us sounding good, keeps us on task, and chimes in about how Andrew Yang's getting dragged on the internet. <laughs> we needed that. Funny. We needed that from you. Uh, yeah, and and thanks, of course, as always, to our listeners. Thanks for being here with us. Until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.